I change a lot. I try and I'm willing to lose money because I will push the envelope of technology practices and I'm okay screwing up on my dime. And I've tried to create a system to where I can screw up. Not everything I do will work. And so I have to be able to be okay with that. Um, and as you get to scale, that becomes harder uh, because the repercussions of what you do are bigger. And I got in a place where I almost let my pride, ego, desire of change to be bigger take me down. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Saving Capitalism. And I am excited today because of what we get to cover. It is more, not complex, but it seems like these two things can be at odds with each other. And it's something I struggled with in my early 20s, is I think a lot of new entrepreneurs, new investors uh, can do. And I learned a lot of these lessons through actually doing. And... Uh, what we're really discussing here is sticking with what works while changing everything to be successful. Now, I see people in both camps. Now, I see people that talk about you need to find a proven system and you need to stick with it. And I see other people that say, you know, it's all about change. It's all about the newest, best thing. And there's these two camps that you can find. Um, and a lot of people take a very opposing view side, which is uh, interesting to me. But the, the truth of the matter, it's neither. So when you look at creating wealth, investing with companies to understand which companies will succeed and die is both things at once. Meaning that if I'm looking at a company that has a tried and true method um, that they have been executing on a long for a long time versus a company that is revolutionizing something and uh, that is you know changing the way it works both of those people can be successful what i found though is they both have to have an element of the other meaning that if you don't change you die and i mean that now the other side is if you're changing all the time you can never succeed. So this line is hard to walk. It's also hard, it, not, not nearly as hard to walk as it is mentally hard to grasp, especially when starting out. Do I do what I've just known and I've been told and it's easy and it's true and it will never change, right? Or do I do something that should be wild? And you find people that fall into both camps and then they have a hard time moving forward. The reason why is the things that are tried and true and known for the most part have lower yield, higher barriers, barriers of entry and have very stabilized competitors. While the things that are changing within the economy that have huge potential is full of a lot more fly-by-night type people where they're not going to be around. And merging these two worlds together was difficult for me because I love the systematic tried and true way of doing things, but I also very much realized its limitations. Now, this is good for a macro and a micro. 
And we're going to talk about this, the strategies that are implemented. Now, if you went to the most basic of basics types, investings or business, we could just simply say something like buying a single family home, renting it out. Now, that is something that you can literally be shown exactly how to do it. You could go out and do it and repeat it and you will be successful. Um, I often tell people, if you want to guarantee success as early as you can start saving up money or investing with others and buying fourplexes on 30 year mortgages and buy as many as you can along the way. And in 30, 40 years, you're going to have a handful of fourplexes that'll all be paid off. They'll all be cash flowing. Rent will be way up and you can invest and, and retire. Now, that is not implementing a lot of uh, strategies. That's not doing value add. That's not, you know, that's not, that's very simple. You hire a third party management company and you just let it work. You can also do the same with the stock market, meaning that you allocate a certain percentage of your income every single month or week and you allocate it into diversified uh, stocks and portfolios that are tried and true, that have low cost, meaning that it's under one and a half percent management fees, so it doesn't eat it away. And you particularly do it in a tax benefited manner. And that's the, that's tried and true strategy will work. I, I, I believe it will. Um, the problem with that is uh, that can be astronomically slow and, uh, as well as it, um, may not be or pay off how you thought it would in the end. Uh, maybe not the magnitude that you thought or even needed it to be. There comes a problem I see with people later on in life where the income that they're making is no longer proportionate to what their savings or investments would even allow them to take. They're, I'm very, very much against, completely anti the stack cash and drain method, which is I'll save and live on my savings. Um, that is a sure way to just be in poverty. Um, your money, you cannot save at a rate as much as your money's deteriorating and um, due to inflation, everything else. So that is such a, a horrible strategy because what it means is you're foregoing today because you have to save mass amounts, but you're also foregoing all the gains and future. In the world that we live in, we live in a growth world. You grow or die. That is an economic truth when it comes to capital and lots of other things. So if you may not have cash flow growing, but if you had appreciation or equity, it's growing. But if it's not growing in cash flow and it's not growing in equity, your buying potential is just eroding away. And a lot of times the safest investments um, are actually guaranteed losers like cash. So this, this spread between that and extremely risky behaviors of like in investing in penny stocks that you know nothing about and are just hoping, you know, to take it to the moon, right? Um, that is gambling. Uh, so that's not even change. That's straight gambling. Now, when we're looking at things that will so-called revolutionize things and change, and I've seen so many entrepreneurs over the last 15 years that have come to me and said, hey, you should look at this, you should look at this. There, there's a fundamental problem that they get in, and that, that is that the change for change's sake is good, meaning that people actually want it 
or it's needed. And that's simply not true. The amount of inventions, the amount of ways to do things better that were true, it actually was better. It was more efficient. They just never came to full circle. Why? Because nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted to do it that way. And that is a curse that's plagued many an entrepreneur. And that's, that is really fundamentally about them trying to create something that they don't know will be success, uh, uh, successfully adopted. And it has to be successfully adopted to work. This occurs a lot in technology, which I dislike greatly, meaning that at mass acceptance, it's amazing, but anything but mass acceptance, it doesn't work. That's pretty much social media, right? You either have mass adaptation or it dies. There's not really an in-between. That's a winner-takes-all type in technology world. I do not like those kinds of investments. Um, so what I look for is a merger of the two. I look for tried, true, stable practices, systems, proven, measurable things that are changing the future and the way that even that tried and true thing is done. And it's a measurable thing. That is my version of having your cake and eat it too, right? And we see this a lot with different techniques, both investing, both um, entrepreneurship. And it's like a just a few degrees off the standard that makes much more than a few degrees difference. Uh, it can make huge difference as far as returns go. This is similar things that we have done both in insurance, um, in uh, real estate, uh, in other classes, everything from technology, right? Um, software, SaaS businesses, where it's like, it's the same thing. We know it's needed. It's measurable. We're going to change X amount of things and we're going to constantly be reinventing ourselves. We do that with all our businesses. We have a grow or die model where I firmly believe if we're not growing, you're falling behind because lots of times by the time you realize it, it's too late. And I built uh, entire businesses on this. I'm buying people that it's too late for them. They don't have the infrastructure. They don't know how. And they're tried into business has value and has income, but there's nowhere to go with it. Uh, I didn't want to be like that. I didn't want to ride on my laurels as I saw, frankly, so many baby boomers that had successful businesses to then not getting very much out of them or to seeing them just kind of fade away. And in two decades, where they were was nothing and they're, hopefully they can get something out of it. Um, just because something exists today doesn't mean that it will exist and it doesn't guarantee your place in the future. Uh, curse of success, I think, for a lot of people. They lose their hunger. They lose their fear. They don't think they need to change. They think because of what they do was successful, it means that they are inherently successful, that it's something that they did, that it's because of who they are. That's not true. And that's a quick way to lose everything. So understanding that um, you either keep up or you get out. Now, when we talk about some of these business models, investments, and how to approach and look at these, this divergence, which we'll discuss about the um, standardized, the sticking with what works while adapting and changing everything model um, is seen in even our broad overall uh, landscapes and like uh, economies, for example. And this is true because there's fundamentals that means 
that it'll be successful, but the fundamentals have to change. So take the United States, take any other country, for example, you really have four pillars that will determine whether those things will be, uh, whether those economies will be successful or not. You have resources, you have uh, structure, meaning both political and economical structures, uh, you have culture, and then you have um, protectionism, military, right? Your ability to keep what you got. Now, this has been something that we've always seen throughout the ages until World War I and II. Um, most people had one or the other. Uh, resources is one that very few people had what they needed. Um, very rare. They had to actually take over. They had to conquer. They had to defend their trade routes or what they had would no longer exist. Uh, that's a very dangerous spot to be in because it means it can be taken away from you because you are reliant upon others. And they also had political systems or economic systems that were not structured for change. Think of monarchs, right? Think of central planned governments like highly socialist and communist structures. They're not developed to adapt. Um, and then they have very rigid culture, meaning the culture itself could not adapt to change. And so change passed them by. Now, when we look at the foundations, I think of the foundations such as, you know, resources and economical and political structures, or excuse me, I think resources and military, meaning you have to have those. Those are foundational things. Size, um, ability, actual access, those matter. Now, when you think about like economical structures, culture and political, those have to be standardized, but they have to change meaning that they have to allow for change. That was one of the things that was so unique about the United States is our political structure and how it actually allows for people to fight and to change. And everything's on the table and it's left mostly to the people. That meant they could change when they needed to without being given permission. Now, the less that the political structure was entrenched in society, the more open and apt people were to use those freedoms along with the resources that they had been given and without the threat of being destroyed or taken to flourish over time. Now, culture was very fluid in the United States. It still is. Culture is not a set thing. You know, the government is not here to protect a type of people, right? The Italian government exists to protect Italians, right? The government exist in Germany to protect the Germans, right? We are not necessarily a people, or excuse me, a set culture like that. We are a people. We the people, and our people change. And that's a good thing. That's allowed the United States to diverge and to take the good from others and utilize it. Um, we commonly do this. People say that that's a bad thing, that it's like, oh, well, you have no culture. We do have a culture. It's a culture of change. And we are very good at exporting our culture. Um, now, our rigidness and culture that doesn't hasn't been the same for 300 years, uh, that may not be as fun or nice, even though I argue that, you know, there's the culture of the United States in lots of ways has lasted in different different types of ways, but nothing obviously like Europe or Asia, but that has allowed them to adapt. Now, resources is very unique to the United States. This is the United States gift from God, frankly. It's geographic resources between the 
actual ability to produce its own food, its own oil, its waterways, our transport, our mountains, our mines, our everything. We have everything that we need to be successful, meaning we can actually retreat. And we did that. So prior to the world wars or anything, when everybody else was, we just retreated in our own. We didn't need anybody else, right? We have the fundamentals, food, shelter, energy. The United States has it all. We are the only country that is not completely reliant in a modern day world on exports. Now you're like, AJ, we need exports. Of course we do. Of course we do. The United States, we import everything, but we import everything because it's cheaper, right? There's certain things that we import that we can survive without. Now, does that mean it would be good or we would? Of course not. The things that we can't are huge security issues, right? You think chip manufacturing, right? That kind of stuff. That's the problem when we say manufacturing has left the United States. That puts us at risk, right? But those things can be pulled back. You can't just pull back oil. You just can't pull back food. You just can't pull back all of those things. Fresh water, access. Um, we have no enemies on our borders. These are foundational things, right? Those foundational things allow the change to be successful. The change has to be allowed to grow and thrive, and it needs to be able to be protected. So lots of times, change is very destructive. We have mastered the art of destructive progress through capitalism, right? Prior, progress and destruction were hand in hand. It was killing. It was taking over. It was actually, you lose, I win. And that meant you lost your country, that lost your culture, everything else, because we have to have these resources to survive. We were in open trade, trade ended, that doesn't work, I'm invading. Because if I don't, our people die. So that created a foundation, once again, that allowed change to continue and it allowed it to be successful. And then we had a military that would protect us, of course, from foreign invaders, things like that. But really, it's the oceans. Once again, geographically, we're protected. We are the most isolated superpower. We are the most um, uh, vast stretching from north to south. We are the closest superpower to the equator. We did the only superpower that has the ability to produce green energy like we do. Uh, the only one that is self-sufficient with oil and on and on and on. Now, why am I saying that when we're talking about personal financing and why does that matter? Well, you need to take the same approach to personal finances. There's fundamentals that you need that can actually destroy your progress. I focused a lot on things like the basics. I need food, shelter. I have to have certain things covered before I can take on huge growth, before I can take on big risky things. So risk was something that as I perfected standardized investing practices and earned capital and replaced and covered basic necessities, I could take on more change, more risk, and I could compound that out and compound that further. I have to always be careful though that what I'm not changing is changing the fundamentals meaning I'm changing the very nature of my safety. That is when the mighty fall. Now, this is something I think a lot about. Wealthy people can get caught into protectionism where they don't want to do anything. They want to stand, they want to hoard money, they want to keep it, they want to keep it safe and they're afraid of losing everything. Um, that has not been a very good practice for most people unless you have money at a realm to which you can get a very low return and live an incredible life and you can still compound your money. 
that is very, very few people, and I doubt probably, if not anyone, very few people listening to my podcast that would even fit. I am not one of those people. No, I am not one of those people because I do not have it set up that way. Could I liquidate all my assets, everything, and just put it into standardized, diversified bonds? Yes, I could. Um, but then it also comes to the fact that I would take away my personal growth and desire. So I accept risk. Now, what I try to do is I try to merge in that risk so I can change, I can make things better while keeping the foundations the same, right? When you look at the United States, the foundations, the political, economic foundations, the resources, right? Those things can't change because if they change too much, they can actually take away its ability to grow. Now, you may argue whether that is good to a certain realm or not, that's fine, but it is true. There is causation. Now, to the realm at which they do that will depend on the realm of its future success. We are at a point where the United States is changing rapidly. Now, it's okay for culture, things like that to change, but you start to change too much on political and economic and that engine will change. Slow down, speed up, we don't exactly know. Um, but you have to be very, very careful. You need to look at that same financially, meaning that if you go and you try to change so much and you risk so much, you actually put yourself back. You have to return to your job. You have to, you know, you have to do all these things. Now, it's important to know that just like the United States, your life cycle is very similar, meaning that at first you had to change a lot and you had to risk a lot to move forward, right? That is a never ending truth. So how do you not, when you don't have the foundation, how do you change without putting yourself into trouble? And that's the key to this, this, this discussion, meaning the basics of understanding tried and true investing, entrepreneurship principles, and creating a basic strategy that can be modified upon as you move forward is very key to creating and gaining wealth. Now, when you look at entrepreneurship more in the version of how we might read about in a book, Steve Jobs, the just give it all, right? It's the consumer doesn't know what they want. I'm going to change the world. Um, those are amazing stories. We all love them. Um, that is few and far between that can ever do something like that. For every Steve Jobs, there's millions of failures within the same category. Um and I don't mean that to be discouraging. I just mean that to be a uh, truth. Now, entrepreneurship has its scale, right? Um, my entrepreneurship is nothing like Steve's jobs was, obviously. I'm not risking like that. I'm not trying to get mass market adaptation. Um, but at the same time, mine is very different from your common real estate investor. I change a lot. I try and I'm willing to lose money because I will push the envelope of technology practices and I'm okay screwing up on my dime. And I've tried to create a system to where I can screw up. Not everything I do will work. And so I have to be able to be okay with that. Um, and as you get to scale, that becomes harder uh, because the repercussions of what you do are bigger. And I got in a place where I almost let my uh, my pride, ego, desire of change to be bigger, take me down. And that happened with an acquisition that I did to expand and grow our company. Um, 
long time ago. This had nothing to do with my businesses now. This was back in insurance. And I put myself in a horrible position in a terrible contract that we ended up being defrauded. And it was my fault, 100%. The repercussions of that could have destroyed everything that I, my father, had built and worked for. Um, a sobering experience for me. Uh, massive hit to ego. Massive hit to pride. Uh, it was a young man's mistake, uh, in an inexperienced man's mistake, where I just thought change was good. There's so many things that I learned from that. But I risked what works for what might be. That is not good. You want to change the things in your life. You want to create change and be able to change in your investing style and your business without risking what works. Now, if you can maximize this, then you can limit your downsides and protect the golden goose while maximizing the upside and enhancing that. And that's the goal. And in life, you're gonna figure out there's things where we save, we work, we invest, we buy insurance, right? We do these things and the foundations of not over-risking what we have are um, need to remain solid and true. But too often, we are not willing to make changes enough or take on risks. The risks at the first outweigh your risks at the end because you just have a little to work with. That's why they're more important. They need to be more calculated at first um, because the risk to the original source, that could be your job, that could be anything else, is it's just more danger. So there's really two methodologies that I look at when people are investing or building businesses and you have two things you're either trying for magnitude or scale. Now, a simple way of putting that in a real estate view or a business view, magnitude is I do one deal and it, and it makes a huge windfall or I do lots of small deals, right, to get me where I want to go. Um, I view the combination, meaning I want to do a scale of consistent small investing business actions with a corresponding magnitude increasing. That will get me my growth curve that I'm looking for. Um, I try not to make the overall magnitude either risk or destroy uh, what has already been and what could be. So going big, too big too soon is a problem because you don't probably know the actual risks you're taking. Now, uh, this is wide ranging, obviously. And like I said, when I started this, this is a very thin line to be walking on. This is, this is a tightrope game that you're going to be playing. But when you have little to nothing, lots of times you're playing with OPM, outside risks, other people's money. So it is best to start, start small and to prove a foundation and a method and scale from there. Um, and it is best to utilize outside sources to verify your foundation. We did this a lot. I would get third-party feasibility studies. I would go to professionals and I would ask them to analyze because I knew I didn't know what I didn't know. And I needed somebody else to make sure I wasn't seeing things that were obvious or that were dangerous. So my lack of knowledge didn't transfer into risk. And that was how I started to create a methodology that we could build upon. And we did. And then as we took on more knowledge, 
we were open and willing to change more and to take more risks. So the success of that didn't firmly plant us in our place, uh, which thank goodness it didn't. We would have vastly, vastly underperformed. Um, we would not have the freedoms or anything that we would. Looking back, obviously, those risks seem very small, but at the time they were big for us. That could have just been going up a size and asset class. That could have been taking on a new business that you weren't completely sure that it would work out. So we looked at what was working, how do we change it? We would buy businesses that affected that, that we knew that fit our core competencies, but would allow us to change things like technology. And as you're building, you wanna take a knowledge. The most successful entrepreneurs that I know are people that work from corporations or businesses that know how to do one thing and say, if we could change this just 15%, it would revolutionize this one process, procedure. They take it out and they go do that. They're very informed on that one thing, right? And they know the changes and it's a calculated change in risk, but that yields them an entire business, investing strategy or philosophy. And too often people think this, this is complex. They think that they have to be Steve Jobs to do this. The vast majority of successful people are making minute changes in the grand scheme of things that deliver vastly outsized or disproportionate gains with those changes. Lots of people are at businesses where they say, I can see there's one thing that we could do that would create that. But most of the time, they're not willing to take the risk to either do it, go out on their own. And a great way to actually do this is to create a company that services the company you're working for. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this where people say, hey, I'm really good at this thing. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start a consulting firm. I'm gonna start a business that does this. I'm gonna go to my employer and say, you have a whole segment of this that we can change, we can adapt, we can do too, but you don't have the resources, you don't have the time, that's not in their job. Hire us, pay us this outside. You don't wanna do it, we'll do it. Um, very, very successful. They're not risking what they do and they're making changes that will open up a door for the big changes on an actual proven system. The same thing with investing. It comes from understanding something and moving forward and going going forward to do it. Knowledge is, is, is your friend, okay? So first of all, you may be sitting here going, I don't know anything and I don't know how to change everything. We're obviously all there. That's not how, that's not how knowledge works, right? You have to, have to gain it. And gaining knowledge from doing is when you actually gain knowledge that can be used and changed. Knowledge from books has very little utility um, for changing things, very little, because you're simply reading and understanding things that have been done in a vacuum. So the changes that you may see or think may not ever come to be. That is why, generally speaking, college grads that start businesses are usually probably not the best investments. Um, their vacuum thought process uh, that they see but have never done fails to take off, to make contact. So don't get caught up in that. You don't need to be doing that. You need to be trying things, doing things, and learning things. Now, with all, this is why we talk about having a good, solid foundation to build off of because change is inevitable. Any business you're in today or any investment strategy you're trying to do or doing will change. It needs to change. This may be simple, right? This may be housing. Houses will change. 
Buyers will change what they want. Government regulations will change. Local economies will change. Value of rents will change. It will change. If you are not willing, prepared to change and change with it, then you will be stuck. Now, I'm not a master at this, everybody. I'm not good at this. Um, I see opportunities. I want to capitalize on them. I start businesses to capitalize on them. And sometimes that has taken me away from what was tried and true. And it sacrificed a little of that outside my one big one that I already mentioned. And because of that, I gotten a lot, I've gotten much, much better about that. And uh, I don't ever do risks like that. But the, the small changes that I'm looking for and creating are the ones that I want to have the biggest um, effect and impact. And then I want to take those to market, meaning that I use my businesses as incubators. And when I find something within my core stable system that I'm using and working that can work, I build that into a business that I can then take to market. That is a tried and true tested way, okay? You can do this within your job. Your job is your ability to be paid for learning and finding opportunity. If you do not want to own a business or invest in that area, you need to change. You need to move, okay? Another thing that just kills people, they're not willing to change and move. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say that I have no income, the cost of living is too high, I don't have those opportunities. Well, why don't you move to Texas? I don't want to live in Texas. Then stop complaining. That's your choice, right? And that's fine, but you, you can't do that. You can't say, I have opportunities to take care of these problems that I have, but I don't want to. Instead, I want the conditions I'm in to change around me. As my daddy always told me, the world doesn't evolve around you, right? It doesn't revolve around you. So you need to do it. Life's not fair and it doesn't care. It's not about you, right? So you have the ability to actually change your circumstances. You may not like that. It may not even be for the better, but you do have the ability to, okay? The repercussions and consequences with it come as they come. The point is though, that is a classic example of not wanting or accepting change that is actually very small in the grand scheme of things and that is killing your ability to progress even on a very small level. You live in an area where you can't save money to invest, where if you would move, you may not like it, you may not do things that may be harder up front, but you would be setting a foundation that you could grow off of, and then you could start investing. But the inability, desire, or fear of those changes are holding you back. That is not a logical thing. It's an emotional thing, and I have that. It would be very difficult for me to move. I love where I live. Uh, I am fortunate to love where I live and also have that provide me with opportunities and options. That is not true all around. Now, I made huge big changes in my life to get myself out of the comfort zone to learn things. I moved to other countries. I did lots of things, lots of jobs that I failed at, that I succeeded at. Um, but change is always what showed me the path forward. I did not leave my foundations, my no consumer debt, saving money, knowledge over income, right? I tried to keep true to all the foundational things that I knew would lead to success. And I believe it does and will continue to. So once again, everybody, just like an economy, look at what you have 
that are the foundations that drive the ability for change to create pro uh, progress and success. Figure out what those foundations are in your life, analyze what needs to be open to and allow for change, and then do it. The short term is usually not successful. By that, I mean in your own viewpoint or way that you measure it, because success isn't short term. Every time you're building a system that is profitable, that is successful, you have to actually build it out. In order for that to become foundation, it has to be hardened. It has to be concreted in. It has to be solid. That doesn't happen overnight. That causes testing. That causes trial and error. And then from there, you can keep building. The better you get at it, the faster it goes. But when you're starting out, it is slow. You have to be okay with that. Now, risk and risk analysis is the big thing with change. There's certain points where you should take on more risk. You have littler to lose. So once again, that's obviously logical. Now, there's certain risks that you should not take in that are game over risks. Obviously, anything illegal or something that would harm you so you couldn't recover, that's ridiculous. Why? Because that actually takes away from your ability to progress. Today, if I lost my foundation, that would take away from my progression. I have to protect that. Spend lots of money trying to protect that because that would actually hurt my ability to progress. But I know what I can change and what I need to change. All right, everybody. I hope that helps. Some foundational principle things that we all need to implement in life that I've learned over time. Uh, I hope that helps you so you can identify what you need to change in your life, how to how to change and how to go forward so you can progress progress and be successful. All right. Thanks, everybody.